so glad that you're joining us here at Sanctus Church, whether you're here at Ajax, Bowmanville, Port Perry, or beyond. Last week, we announced our new name, and it was a very significant Sunday. And today, we gather across all our sites for another significant moment as we step forward. Today, we're going to talk about, we're going to pray about, we're going to prepare to step out and invite hundreds, if not thousands, of our neighbors and friends and family and co-workers to meet Jesus for the first time or to rediscover him all over again. Now, the main way we're going to do this across our whole church is through Alpha. And we've talked about Alpha before, but before we actually focus in on that and speak about that, let, let me just do a few things. Let me remind all of us as a church family why we exist. I mean, we're here to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. And here at Sanctus Church, we believe that there are five key dimensions, five key environments we must all participate in to become more fully devoted followers of Jesus. One of them is called engage in mission. And one way that we engage in mission is that each one of us are called to, no matter our age or background or ethnicity, if you are a Christian, we're called to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to families and to friends and to coworkers and to our neighborhoods, our schools, even to our enemies. I mean, remember the very last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. And Matthew 28, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, that's all ethnic groups, all, all skin colors, all backgrounds, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I mean, what did Paul write in Romans 1.16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it has the power of God for salvation for whoever believes, first for Jews, then non-Jews, or the great summary of our faith. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not yet believed in the name of God's one and only son. Every single one of us is called to witness, to share, to proclaim the life, the death, the physical resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us in the now and the not yet. We're called to tell our own stories of how Jesus has saved us at three, at five, at eight, or just recently. We're called to do this personally, but we're also called to do this as a whole church community. But in the busyness of our lives, and even in the busyness of a church, how do we keep this life-giving command to go to all people, the command of Jesus at the center of all we're doing and all this church is doing? How do we move out as a church, as a whole community, knowing, yes, that some have the gift of evangelism, and yet we are all called still to share the gospel? Now, most of you know in Plan 1, we solidified what we called our evangelism strategy through Alpha, and now in Plan 2, this is now our consistent approach across all locations to reach more people in our region and beyond. Now, most of you have heard about Alpha, but let's make sure that we're all on the same page, because actually... Though we've been running Alpha in this church since 2000, I find most people hear Alpha and it's sort of like the Charlie Brown moment with the teacher. Wah, 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 wah. So we need to get on the same page to understand this. Alpha is a series of 10 interactive videos that explore life, faith, and God in a friendly, open, informal environment. 
Each talk looks at a different question around faith and is designed to create a conversation. Alpha has been run around the world. 27 million people have now taken it globally. We found out last year, Alpha's global goal in the next little while is to have 100 million people take Alpha. Amazingly, over a million people have now taken Alpha in Canada alone. Everyone's welcome. It's run in cafes and churches and universities and homes, you name it. It's probably been run there. No two alphas look the same, but generally, generally there are three things that bind them all together. Food, a talk, and good conversation. Here's the questions that Alpha walks seekers and skeptics and new Christians through. Is there more to life than this? Who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? How can I have faith? Why and how should I pray? How and why should I read the Bible? Who is the Holy Spirit? Does God even guide us? How can I resist evil? Does God even heal today? Why and how should I tell others? Now, most of you that are connected to Sanctus Church knew when we unveiled Plan 2 that we not only said that Alpha was going to move from the sides to the center, we also put a very significant goal in front of us. Our goal is to have 1,500 to 2,000 people go through Alpha between 2019 and 2024, and God willing, connected to that and other things, our, our faith goal is to see 700 people baptized. Now, to launch all of this in this new season, something amazing is happening next week that we've referenced before, but I want to remind you, from Vancouver Island to St. John's, Newfoundland, there is a Canada-wide alpha campaign called Share.Life.Share that is being launched. All the churches that ran alpha last year, plus other organizations, are all launching alpha on the same week of September 15th. And in 11 weeks across the country, our goal is to have 80,000 Canadians hear struggle and talk about Jesus and hopefully experiencing him. And we're one of those churches. Now, you might not know this, the Barna Group did a global evaluation on Alpha in multiple cultures with multiple backgrounds, with multiple generational sort of insights to see if Alpha was genuinely effective or not. And after they did a global research, one or three of the stats they came back were insightful, shocking, and very hopeful. 82% of non-Christians that took Alpha described themselves as Jesus followers after they took the course. 78% of Christians who were non, sort of non-church-going Christians, so nominal Christians who took the course, started regularly attending church again. And 91% of Christians, those who regularly went to church after they took Alpha, said they were more intimately connected to Jesus. Look at those stats. They're incredible. Now, nothing is better than food and truth and beauty, and conversation, and the Holy Spirit being the evangelist. Why we love Alpha, or one of the reasons why we love Alpha in this church, is because Alpha is designed, simply put, if God does not show up, the whole thing fails. But there's so much more going on that most of us, sitting in this community, don't catch. In a landscape which we talk about all the time, which is post-Christian, and post-modern, and post-social, Alpha, as a tool, is even more helpful See, Alpha is designed to clearly communicate the gospel message to guests, but it's also designed to facilitate how the gospel is communicated. And by the way, I'm taking the time, I'm giving a whole sermon to this today, so we as a church get this, because we keep not getting this as a community. The explicit theology of the videos is coupled with an implicit theology lift out, hopefully by the churches, in the sessions and afterwards. Through the community of God, the church, guests are invited to experience the love of God while hearing about the love of God. And there are four theological biases from the scriptures 
that actually inform Alpha and inform why we have chosen to make it so prominent. Here's the first one. God is relational. At the foundation of the Christian faith is a God who is both one and yet triune, three. He is, a, he is in relationship. At the very heart of God, in the very heart of the universe, there is relationship, not individualism. While Western culture may be about finding ourselves by ourselves, Christianity has always been about finding ourselves in self-giving, long relationships. This is why we love Alpha, because it actually forces us into a relationship with someone else. It's not just throwing a track at someone and saying, I hope you meet Jesus. No, no. God is relational, and he's found in relationships. Second, God is incarnate. The profound mystery of the incarnation, God taking on flesh, confounded Jews and Greeks alike. Jesus' humanity in history is an important corrective in our age of abstracted, disembodied truths. Alpha is not just some simple collection of abstract truths, but an embodied experience of the love of God in relationship with others. In other words, when God moved into the neighborhood, he demonstrated that we need to move into the neighborhood. And Alpha facilitates an incarnational sitting presence with others. Here's the third thing, which is rarely talked about in Western churches. Not only is God relational, not only is God incarnate, God is host. The controversy surrounding the way in which Jesus hosted and was hosted at meals is lost much of the time on us as modern readers. But in Jesus' cultural context, eating with someone was the ultimate demonstration of acceptance or welcome or rejection in saying not welcome. His willingness to share life with others caused scandal. And by the way, that's why we say the gospel is scandalous. The gospel is scandalous because among the religious elites, Jesus kept eating with sinners. But this is an invitation Christ extends to all of us. That's why at every Alpha we lay a table, we eat together. There's an invitation and anyone's open to sit with us. It doesn't matter what background, what your perspective is, Christian, not Christian, atheist, fill in the blank. Doesn't matter your skin color, gender, or economic background. I love what Jim Chester wrote. Jesus is handing out God's party invitations. You're invited to my party in the new creation. Come as you are. And here's the fourth thing, fourth thing that sort of theologically underpins Alpha and why we love it. God is also helper. The Christian life and faith is born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually describes the Holy Spirit as a helper who will empower a life of mission, and he's the ultimate one who convicts hearts. Therefore, reliance on the Holy Spirit lies at the center of all of us bearing witness to Jesus and is at the heart of Alpha. Daryl Johnson, a pastor and professor, some of you might know from Vancouver, just simply said evangelism is joining in a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with someone. So Alpha is not just some tool. It's not just some program among the programs. It is an intentional thing we have chosen because it is a profound way to share the good news of Jesus in a fragmented, hurried, apathetic, hostile lonely, angry, information-overloaded age. It is reflections of the God we know, and it is forcing even us as Christians to slow down and evaluate, do I want a relationship? Am I willing to give the time? Am I willing to give presence for the sake of eternity? Now, let's all be honest for us who've done church for a while. We all know and can empathize with the reality for many of us, it's awkward and difficult to share our faith. Again, some have the gift of evangelism, and that's amazing. 
But for most of us, it's more like a discipline. And why we love Alpha is because this allows all of us, no matter our intellectual background in the faith, no matter our personality, to simply say to someone, would you come and would you have some food? You can say anything you want and let's discuss Jesus. Now we've run Alpha here for years and let me just address some sort of systemic problems. First, many of us that come to this church actually don't know what Alpha is. We hear about it, it's talked about once or twice a year. It seems like one of all the things we do and most of us move on. Some of us know what Alpha is and we've never invited someone because of fear or busyness or you looked at your schedule and said, I just can't fit that in. Now in the last two years, there has been a change. In the last two years, there has been this momentum where many of us, hundreds of us, have invited people, but actually when we invited many, many did not come and so we gave up. But actually the real issue is many of us just don't know if Alpha is any good. So today, for the first time, we're going to do something we've never done, and we've run Alpha since 2000. I'm going to give up basically most of the message time, and right across all our sites right now, and all of you watching online, we are going to watch the very first video that is shown every single introduction night at Alpha. And the reason why I want to do this is because this matters so much to us And we're so serious about in this new season of our church called Sanctus, making evangelism a significant thing that we do, that we all need to see it and to experience it. So I'd like you to sit back, put your phones down, don't go on Instagram or Facebook, watch this together and see the power of what God has been doing globally and locally. So let's watch this together. Hi, I'm Nikki. Welcome to Alpha. Life is busy. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? What's happening today? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions. Like, why am I here? Where am I heading? Is this it? Is there more to life than this? These are life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through properly. We all have different perspectives on the meaning of life and faith, and Alpha is an opportunity to explore life's big questions. This is a great place to come together and talk about them openly and honestly. I'm Gemma. I'm Toby. And this is Alpha. Um, I go on Google. Google. I definitely Google. I go on Wikipedia. Internet. I uh, scroll through all the different answers and then I try and combine it and then make my own kind of cornerstone. Or smart friends. I don't ask big life questions. It's too hard to answer. Google or my grandmother. I meditate or I read. When I have a big life questions, I probably go to my family. I haven't really had any mess with what to say. To my mom or my dad. 
basically. My mom and my dad, maybe my grand. I get most of my answers from the library in any section there because I don't really trust the people that I'm around. The key is always to yourself. You gotta figure some things out for yourself. If I'm confused, I go to him first. And he confuses me more. But when it's something more personal, I try to find it within myself first. Friends of mine told me that the first night they came to Alpha, they sat in their car for half an hour waiting and watching people going in. And eventually when they'd seen enough normal looking people going in, they thought they'd give it a try. And one thing that might be going through your mind is, am I going to be the only one there who doesn't believe all this stuff, who's not a Christian, that doesn't go to church? Well, if that's you, then you're in the right place. Alpha is designed for people who wouldn't call themselves Christians or who are not regular churchgoers. It might feel a bit strange to be discussing life and faith with people that you've never met before, but the best thing about Alpha is often the great friendships that are formed over the weeks. For much of my life, I was not remotely interested in Christianity. In fact, I don't think I'd ever come to something like Alpha. I was not brought up as a Christian. My father was a secular Jew. He was an agnostic, and my mother didn't go to church, uh, and I had no interest at all in Christianity. First of all, I just thought it was so boring. Everything to me about church, Christianity, religion was just dull and dreary, and it kind of made me feel a little bit guilty. I didn't know why, but I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I also thought it was untrue. I, I thought I'd sort of thought it through and... Uh, I come up with these intellectual objections and I call myself, very pretentiously, I call myself a logical determinist. And I quite enjoyed arguing with people who call themselves Christians. And at university I had a bit of a reputation for being an argumentative atheist. And I also thought it was irrelevant to my life. I couldn't see how someone who'd lived 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, could have any relevance to my life today. It just seemed outdated and irrelevant. But at the same time, Looking back now, I would say something was missing. I say that because I don't think I was living in the moment. I was always looking forward to the next thing in life. So when I was at school, I was thinking, when I finish my exams, maybe that will be when I'm going to really start to enjoy life. I finished my exams, and then after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. And I thought, well, maybe when I've left school, that will be what life's all about. And then I left school, and after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. I thought, well, maybe the answer is to get a girlfriend. And somehow, I don't know how I managed it, but I managed to find a girlfriend. Okay, after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. And, and basically, there was something missing. I was longing for more. The actor Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of so they would know that's not the answer. Some people dream of having their name in lights, of fame and fortune. Some people dream of finding happiness through relationships, careers, money, whatever it may be. But do you ever get that niggly feeling that as good as those things are, there must be more to life? Yeah, all too often life just doesn't turn out the way we think it should. And even when it does and we achieve our wildest dreams, it's somehow never quite enough. It just doesn't satisfy. It's like there's something missing. The comedian and actor Russell Brand said, drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution to fill up a hole inside me. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In other words, I'm the one who fulfills the longing that's deep inside every human heart. 
Jesus claimed to be the one person who can satisfy that spiritual hunger. Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of the rock group Queen, had amassed a huge fortune and attracted millions of fans. But he admitted in an interview shortly before his death that he was desperately lonely. He said this, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man, and that's the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Ultimately, there's only one relationship that is totally loving and goes on forever, and that's a relationship with God. And Jesus said, I am the way to that relationship. Maybe money. What makes me happy? Music. Music, ice cream, and cheese. Sleep makes me happy. I was going to the gym, seeing my friends, going to the pub, playing football. Dogs. Alcohol. Uh, women. Pretty much. The idea of life in general makes me happy. Clothes. Uh, women. More to life than this. That's a really good question. I don't know, I can't tell you. I think we're supposed to learn a couple of things. There's nothing more. I'm still figuring that out, to be honest. Uh, no. Let's live in the moment. Absolutely, I strongly believe that there's more to life than this. No idea, sorry. <laughs> when I was about 17, I was sitting having a burger with two friends, and we were looking out the window and commenting on a few of the stores across the street, and I suddenly realized that I couldn't read any of the signs, even if I squinted. So I asked if I could borrow one of my friend's pair of glasses, and as soon as I put them on, I realized I could see everything, like colors, shapes, words. I was amazed at how everything was so clear. And I could see before, but now I could really see. And to me, that's the best way to describe the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus is the lens through which we see God. And he's also the lens by which we see the world in a totally different way. Jesus said, I am the truth. Some people's response to a Christian might be, well, it's great for you, you found meaning and purpose in your life, but it's not for me. But when you think about it, that's not actually a logical position, because if Christianity is true, it's of vital importance to every one of us. And if it's not true, it's not great for us, because it means we're deluded. C.S. Lewis was one of the great intellectual giants of the 20th century, probably best known as the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. He said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I come from a family of lawyers, so naturally I wanted to look at the original documents and sources. I never really looked at the evidence before, and I was astonished at how much evidence there is for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For me, it was through reading these documents that we find in the New Testament that I came to the conclusion, it's true. One of the last cases I did as a lawyer was in the Court of Appeal in front of Lord Denning, an absolutely brilliant mind, perhaps the greatest judge of the 20th century. He said on one occasion that his Bible was his most tattered book in his library. He'd examined the evidence really carefully, and he came to the conclusion, it's true. One former professor of history at Oxford University described the resurrection as the best attested fact in history. I hadn't realized how many of the pioneers of modern science were believers. 
Descartes, Newton, Kepler, Galileo, Locke, Copernicus, Faraday, Kelvin, Pasteur. Francis Collins, one of the greatest scientists of our time, was director of the Human Genome Project, mapping the three billion letters in the human DNA, considered by many to be the most significant scientific undertaking of our time. He describes how he encountered Jesus and came to believe in the truth of Christianity. Well, in the home where I grew up, uh, faith was not something that was talked about very much. Uh, my father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, when I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason to attach value uh, to a faith system. It had never been something I was familiar with or had internalized at all. And I assumed that any religious feelings that anyone held must be on the basis of some emotional experience, and I didn't trust those, or on the basis of some childhood indoctrination, uh, which I felt I was fortunate to have missed. I loved the experience of learning about the human body and all of the components of that, and I particularly loved being introduced to genetics. But then I ended up in the medical school curriculum sitting at the bedside of patients with diseases. This was no longer an abstract study of molecules and organ systems. These were real people. And one afternoon, one of my patients, a wonderful elderly woman, much like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, she had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her. She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really giving her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description uh, of that faith, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically, and she said, what do you believe, doctor? And ultimately, I had to admit to myself that her question had made me realize that I had arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with. Is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. If there's one thing scientists claim they do is to arrive at conclusions based upon evidence. And I hadn't taken the trouble to do that. I was greatly assisted uh, by a pastor who lived down the road who I went and asked about all this and who gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Mere Christianity, because here was an Oxford scholar, a prodigiously developed intellect, who had traveled the same path. Within those pages, I realized for the first time that one can come to belief on a rational basis and that, in fact, given the many pointers that one sees around oneself in terms of the universe and it having a beginning and its fine-tuning in terms of the way in which all those constants that determine the behavior of matter and energy seem to have been set just in a certain very precise range to make life possible. Uh, and many other things, including my beloved mathematics and why they actually work anyway to describe the universe, something that makes you think the creator must have been a mathematician. That brought me then to the person of Jesus Christ as 
a person who was historically extremely well documented. That was news to me. I thought Christ was as much myth as history, and I realized after reading more about it, this was a historical figure upon which we have a great deal of evidence for his existence and his teachings, and even his rising from the dead in a literal way. That day at uh, my patient's bedside started a journey for me journey that I was reluctant uh, to begin, but I felt I needed to. A journey that I thought would result in strengthening my atheism, but to my surprise, resulted in my conversion. There's a difference between knowing facts about someone and really knowing them personally. Now, I've known my husband, Phil, for three years now, but suppose if before we met, I found him on a website called The Amazing Man. Now, there's no doubt I would have looked at him and thought, okay, I'm intrigued. But what if each page was dedicated to his amazing abilities, his sparkling personality, his tender heart, his extraordinary intelligence, and his cooking abilities? Well, I would think, wow, he does sound like an amazing person. But that's head knowledge. But I also have the privilege of being married to him, and I know that he's an amazing person, which is knowledge that comes from experience and relationship, and that's heart knowledge. When Jesus said, I am the truth, he was talking about more than just a kind of intellectual truth. The Hebrew understanding of truth was truth as experienced. And there's a big difference between a kind of intellectual knowledge and a personal knowledge between your head and your heart. So when someone says, I know Jesus is the truth, they're not just talking about being convinced of the evidence. They're also talking about experiencing a relationship with the risen Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and lastly, he said, I am the life. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to deal with the things in our lives that stop us from enjoying life to the full, the things that spoil our lives. I hate shopping. I loathe it. I, I think I'm allergic to shopping. But occasionally, my wife Pippa persuades me to go shopping. And just after Christmas, uh, it was the sales, and she persuaded me to go shopping. We went into the shop, and we bought this very nice new sweater, uh, the same colour as all my other sweaters. And um, we left the shop, and we went to buy a present for her. And we went into this ghastly shop. It was so crowded. It was unbelievable. And even Pippa had had enough, and she said, OK, we're leaving. So we went to leave. And as we left, the security alarm went off. And the security guys moved in very quickly and they stopped us all from leaving. And like the crowd that was trying to leave was stopped and the crowd that was trying to come in was stopped. And we were there right in the middle. Uh, the six of us who were going through the security at that one time were all taken off and sectioned off from all the rest. And they wanted to see which one of the six of us had set off the alarm. So they sent one of them through and that was fine. They obviously hadn't set it off. Then they sent the next one through. They obviously hadn't set it off. Then the third. Then the fourth. None of them set it off. So it was left with Pippa and I were standing there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm married to a shoplifter. It must be Pippa who's got set off the alarm. So they sent her through. And she didn't set it off. So I thought, oh, my goodness, I've obviously got something. Someone must have planted something on me. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be sent to prison. All the crowd were watching, both sides. They were just watching this criminal who'd been caught going through. So they went through, and as I went through, the alarm went off. They took me to the side. They opened up my rucksack on my back, and there they found this sweater from the other shop with the tags still on it. 
I felt so guilty. That was like false guilt. I also sometimes experience true feelings of guilt because I do things that are not right, that are not good. And this is the wonderful news that God loves you and he loves me. God came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. And on the cross, he took all of your guilt, all of my guilt, everything you've ever done wrong, everything I've ever done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, and he died in our place in order that we could be forgiven. And forgiveness, C.S. Lewis said, it's like a, a recording of our life wiped completely clean. And when we receive that forgiveness, we find life and life in all its fullness. And that's what Jesus wants for you and for me. Life in all its fullness. Life at its very, very best. I think for so many years, you know, I always just strived to be strong in myself. And it was as if that all I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, would be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. And I don't want to do this thing called life. I don't want to do it on my own. And it kind of feels like my longing for this, this light inside is now stronger than my fear of what others might think. And people often ask, well, doesn't that make uh, faith like a crutch? And, you know, well, maybe. But, you know, what does a crutch do? Uh, a crutch helps you stand and it makes you stronger. And in that case, you know, sure, I need a bit of that. But especially when it's so much more than that, when this faith inside is also, also like a backbone, uh, helping me stand tall and helping me be strong when I'm really up against it, facing those odds, whether it's on a mountain or stuck in some jungle or just dealing with the storms, you know, with the storms of life. Uh, sure, I need it, I, you know, I, I need that. Uh, but at heart, my Christian faith says that I am, that I'm known, that I'm known to Christ. Uh, bought at a price, uh, blessed with light. Uh, faith says that we're loved, regardless of our mess, uh, regardless of how many times we fall down, and that Jesus somehow picks me up. And sure, you know, I'll reach out to that. Why, why wouldn't I? I used to think Christianity was boring, untrue, and irrelevant. But when I read about Jesus... I realized he was anything but. Jesus said he's the way to God. He's the one who brings meaning and purpose to your life. He said he's the truth. He said he's the life, that true fulfillment is found in a relationship with God through him. Alpha is a place where you can be yourself. You can say what you think and challenge everything. Now, no question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's. And over the weeks ahead, we are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith and meaning. Think of it this way. If you live to be 70, you're going to spend 20 years and three months asleep, 10 years and five months watching TV, five years and nine months in some form of transportation, seven years and six months eating and drinking, have approximately 570,000 hours left to live. So why not spend less than 24 of them asking life's biggest questions? Welcome to Alpha.
we have this incredible opportunity to share the good news of Jesus in a profound, modern, beautiful, truthful way. And like we said, this is one of our most significant endeavors in plan two. Now, I want you to catch the excitement, but also the gravity of this. Next week, our prayer is over 80,000 Canadians are going to begin this journey with us in our church and across other churches to explore who Jesus is. And so I want to just take this last few minutes of this message time to tell you what we're all going to be doing together in this season. First, at this Ajax location that I'm at right now, we're going to be launching a large on-site alpha. Our goal is to have 100 non-Christian family and friends attend, but that's not it. Poor Perry, you will be running a brand new alpha in your new location, which we're so excited about. Bowmanville will be running one in the church offices along the main street in Bowmanville. And so far, we have one strategic location and pickering as we get ready to launch. We have one running in a home. But there's more. It is our hope that across all of Sanctus, we can launch more alphas in homes in the next few weeks. And if you live in downtown Toronto or Brooklyn or Stouffville, even up towards Little Britain, we'd love to talk to you. We would love you to open your house to take family and friends to a well-led alpha if you're not close to one of these three locations. Now, if you're in high school, we want to talk to you directly too. You, of course, can bring your friends and, and, and community to these. But under the youth leadership in the, in the new year, our goal is to launch seven alphas is led by high schoolers in their own high schools. And if you want to talk to our youth ministry, we can do that. You can do that soon. Let me just say this again. This is one of our highest priorities. This is actually so serious for us and we're so excited, but also mandating this, that we're going to say that if you actually go to a normal connect group, That is one of our connect groups where we talk about the sermon and pray together and connect small, which is great, and we believe in that. But we're saying that we would prefer you to actually take time off one of those, find a family or friend, a friend or or a neighbor or a coworker, and bring them to Alpha. By the way, Alpha can be run, like I said, in hair salons, bike shops, hockey arenas, motorcycle shops, military bases, nightclubs, coffee shops, senior homes, fitness centers, church buildings, lunch rooms with a uh, at a business pool hall high school classrooms, they've been run everywhere. So we're going to have a, a very simple and direct way to respond today in front of you at all of our sites. Could you just pull out these two cards that are actually put together? Could you just all do that right now? It'd be really helpful if we could do this as a community. There's two cards in front of us all today. The first one is the smaller one, and it is about prayer. And let me just say this, your non-believing friends and family need to be invited to Alpha to hear the good news of Jesus. And you might be questioning whether or not they're even going to come or accept your invitation. So the very first thing we all need to do and we all believe is we need to pray. And this is an Alpha prayer card that's actually being used globally uh, to, to prepare people to invite. Uh, take time, and I'm going to ask you to do this right now. Take time and ask God there, what name or names you should write on this and then put it in your Bible, put it on a fridge, carry it in your wallet and begin to pray. Now you'll see that 1102 is actually marked on this. And that's connected to Luke 11 uh, verse 2, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so what you need to do is take out your phone and after you choose the names of the people you're going to pray for to invite to Alpha, we would like you to actually put a prompt in your phone or whatever you use that at 11.02 every single day you have a prompt that goes off and you take a second to pray for the people on your list. But not only that, over the next 11 weeks you take a moment at 11.02 every day to pray for not only the hundreds that will be taking Alpha in our 
church, but the thousands across our country and actually the millions around the world. The second thing you've got in front of you is an invitation. And if you could just take a look at this, please, it'd be really helpful. The best way to invite someone to Alpha is to actually invite them personally. And this is an invitation card uh, to give to the person you're thinking about. And I, I want to take a moment, I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, who should you invite? So could you just bow your head and we're going to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to speak? Because remember, evangelism is just joining in, joining in the conversation that he's already having with someone. So Holy Spirit, we just take this moment of silence and we ask you, who are we supposed to invite? Would you speak to junior highs in this room right now and high schoolers and, and, and young adults and adults? Who do you want us to invite? So whatever name you got, we would like you to write this name down on this card and go and speak to them. Now, let me just give a corrective before we keep going. If your family and friends are long-term Christians, this is not for them. Uh, go to Freedom Sessions, join a connect group, or bring someone to Alpha. We, I just need to say this sort of strongly. Stop bringing the wrong people to Alpha, please. If a person is surrounded by long-term Christians at a table, all voicing their very Christian opinions on predestination, they're not going to feel able to actually share where they really are in their own journey. Alpha is not an introduction to our church or church. Alpha is an introduction to Jesus. So we want all of you to take a moment to pray and then take a moment to write down a name and actually give this card this week to someone can't give them the card, then you can obviously text, text them or use social media. But remember, as we've been told time and time again, most people are still open to coming to church or having a spiritual conversation. They're just never invited. So number one, we want everyone in our church to pray. Number two, we want everyone to take one of these and invite and leave the results up to God. And here's the last thing I want to say, and then I'm done. Like I shared, we would love a group of you to consider running Alpha in your homes above and beyond what we're doing centrally. And so if you're open to that, we'd love you to reach out to us through social media, email or call us, and Pastor Ange will show you how to set this up. Now, now just, and I know a lot of us in the past have invited and people did not come, some did, but I just want to encourage the whole church not to give up or don't be discouraged, uh, to keep on inviting, to keep on praying and to clear your schedule and be open to what the Holy Spirit's about to do. And I just want to say, because I know so many people watch uh, our, our sermons here globally, number one, if you are not connected to our church at all and you are seeking, then you can just go to alpha.org and find an alpha near you. Or if you're in Canada, you can just go to alpha, tryalpha.ca and find, a, find an alpha near you, and we'd love you to connect to that. So could we all stand and could we just take this moment to dedicate this profound sort of next step as we try to see thousands of people uh, reached for Jesus. So let's pray together. Thanks, Lord, so much that so long ago, actually in another country, in England, you inspired uh, a group of people to work so hard to provide a tool that would allow another generation to hear the good news of Jesus. And so at this moment, we just want to do a few things. Number one, thank you for uh, our faith. Many of us already know Jesus in this room, and we're incredibly thankful. But we now want to pray a few things. Number one, we pray that you would lead this church to pray for our lost friends and neighbors. 
and that there would be a real moment where we start praying in significant ways. Number two, we pray that as we go out and we get beyond our fear and also just our timidity, that as we invite friends, we pray right now that they would say yes. We pray that hundreds of people would say yes to coming and exploring the good news of Jesus in Ajax and Bowmanville, in Port Perry, and also in Pickering and in Holmes. So Lord, would you just work this out? And in faith, we just want to say as a church, we cannot wait to hear the great news and the great stories in baptism tanks as people said, I didn't know Jesus and I've now discovered him. We acknowledge Alpha Lord is only a tool and actually the Holy Spirit who does the great work. And so we invite the Holy Spirit to prompt us, to use us, to help us to be open and to do a great thing among us we've actually never seen. And we pray this together in Jesus' name and we all said together, amen. Let's sing together. Thank you.